You believe in that power this morning? Amen. To know that the power of God is there with us. It's his promise. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. Amen. What have we been singing about? We've been singing there's power in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a representation of all that God did at Calvary. He saved souls. He healed the sick. He brought deliverance to you. When we mention that name, that's the same as Israel did when they were bitten by the snake. And they looked at the brass serpent. They looked upon that, upon that serpent and they were healed. Why? It represented their sins. That old serpent judged. You say, how did Jesus represent a serpent? Or that serpent represent him? Because he became your sin. That you might become his righteousness. Amen. And when we, when we call on the name of Jesus, we are calling in everything he did at Calvary. All the healing virtues that flowed from that cross. Ever saw the saving power that flew, came from his veins. There's power in that name of Jesus. We sing, singing the jailhouse down. Well, I tell you what, I believe that's what believers can do. They just got a song of victory within their heart and they know, they know how to sing the jailhouse down. Amen. All the depression, all of the worries, everything else just goes as we begin to worship God. Amen. We sung this song, I've been changed. I've been to the river and I've been baptized. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're going we're gonna to baptize another today in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. we got Brother James Lingo Strong that is here today. And he's going to be buried in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to represent, it's a representation of a death, a burial, and a resurrection. Amen. A death to the old man. Amen. A burial of that old man. And a resurrection to a new life. Amen. I believe God's got that for you this morning, for all of us. It's whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Amen. We've been hearing some wonderful reports coming back from the youth camp. and God's just transforming lives, pouring out his spirit. As I've told you, this is a time where he don't just pour out a little bit. He poured out a little with Luther and a little with Wesley. But in this day, he just empties it all out until the people become the fullness of the Godhead in a body called a bride. Hallelujah. What a day we're living in. What a privilege to serve him. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Father, we're your children, having gathered in your name. We want to express our love and appreciation to you, Lord. Because you are so good to us. You have healed us, delivered us, Lord. We want to thank you for what you're doing here. We want to thank you for what you've done in the youth camp and the reports coming back. Oh, God, young people coming back, transformed moms and dads that were there, coming back, transformed, changed. Oh, Jesus, 
They got all the soup of that new wine and they've been drunk on the spirit. You're doing what you said, that the only kind the word can bring forth is those Acts 2.38, blabbered, screaming children. Lord, we've seen it begin to happen, Lord, right there and right now, Lord. In this end time, what a promise. We're asking, Lord, that you would bless your people. And that as they would travel home, that your hand of grace would be upon them. That you'd be with us, Lord, tonight, today in this service. We need you. I pray, Lord, you'll direct every word to its target. Lord, may it just scatter unbelief. May it put a faith in our hearts to know who is the one that is present among us. Who is the one that brought us this truth? Who is this one that's so concerned about his people? They would scream out today and say, get back in step. There will be those that this message will go to, and it'll be a scream. It'll be a scream that says, get back in line, get back in step. I pray, God, that you'll move in a great way throughout this nation and the world today and in this service and in the youth camp as they conclude ever need now supply of your children bring healing to the sick as we heard it this morning there's power in the name if you're sick while the word goes forth they can be healed I pray Lord as we enter into the ministry now some of it will be teaching. Some of it will be preaching. But, Lord, it will be all the Word of God. I pray, Father, that you'll give clarity and understanding and open up the eyes of our understanding that we might know the hope of our calling. May they see, Lord, it's not about some big ones or big preachers or big this ones or big churches. Or It's about you, Lord. There's only one big among us. That's you. May you be exalted and your name glorified. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Isn't it good to be today in the house of the Lord? Yes, amen. amen. We want to welcome the Adams family back after a real bout with the COVID and sickness and uh, their extended family too, Sister Marie Middleton, all of them that the Lord has been with them and brought them through all of this, and we thanked him for it. Amen. Brother Tim Winter singing, you know, he had the COVID, and it affected his, his lungs and his, the power. Well, you see the healing power of God. Amen. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just walk in your victory and walk in your liberty today. Amen. Exodus chapter 3. In verse 1 is where we'll read from this morning. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now this Horeb would be the same as Mount Sinai. It would be where the law would be given. It would be where... God would say, I'll bring you back to this mountain. And no matter what would happen, he knew that he would bring the children of Israel back to this place. This would be a place where they would be covenant with God. 
And as the Jews say this where that God married Israel and united with the Old Testament bride by giving them his word. Now, this is really uh, important to understand because we are also in another exodus. We are also in another Pentecost. Remember, this would take place where, we're, where they would come back to this mountain 50 weeks after the Passover, 50 days after the Passover, which would be seven weeks. And seven weeks later, they would reach this place again where that Moses met the pillar of fire. And we have come now through seven church ages from the Passover, from Calvary, where Jesus gave his life at the cross and the token was given all the way now. To, and we have the churches journeyed now for seven different church ages. And now we've come to the fulfillment of all the types of the scripture. And so when the scripture says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was speaking about from from the time where Calvary, where Jesus died, to seven weeks later, which these were the, 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 this, the seven weeks of, of, um, of unleavened bread and, and feast days. And then it would come now to the day of Pentecost. So it would be fully come, the, the weeks fulfilled. And remember, they were all typing. Now we have come from that Passover for seven church ages. And so this is a day where that the day of Pentecost has fully come. And this is a day where he pours out his spirit in the great finality uh, of all that he's done, of all the works that he's done, from all the way from Genesis and the creation right now up to this time. And it all comes and it heads up right here in this day and this hour for fulfillment. I say this is a wonderful day to be living in. It's the greatest hour of all mankind to be standing right on the, the cusp, the brink, the edge of the rapture itself. Amen. Where God consummates the whole thing and takes the people to a new home. Amen. Are you ready for your new home? Yes. I'm ready for my new home. Yes. Amen. I'm ready for a new body. Yes. Amen. And I don't care if you're 18 years old. You should be ready for a new body. Yes. Amen. Because this one is one where there is trouble and sin and sickness and disease. Amen. But that one is a glorified body. Amen. And where that there will never any of that enter. Now, verse 2 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. So here we see a light. It is milling. It is, it is it's flaming like a fire. It looks like a fire. It's a light. And it, it has the appearance of a uh, of, a, of an amber, a yellowish green color, and it's, it's pulsating in this bush. And, and he sees it's not a natural fire because it's not consuming the bush. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush is not burnt. 
And when the Lord saw he had turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Notice, if you go back to verse 2, go back to verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Then you come into here in verse 4, and God called to him out of the midst of the bush. So it was the angel of God, yet it was God himself, because it was the angel or the messenger of his covenant. It was God in theophanic form, and he would veil himself now in a pillar of fire. Now look at this, and, and he says, and, and then he called and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here am I. And he said in verse 5, and he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thy standeth is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Then I would like you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 23, and we will read from verse 20. Exodus 23 and verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee, to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice and provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. If thou will indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversary. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Amen. As well as any website that's against this message. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speak on, speaking today on truth revealed by the angel. Truth as revealed by the angel. Now, as I went over last Sunday, and, and uh, you know, I hope you don't mind me just kind of um, taking a little bit of time here just to kind of bring us back into our thoughts we've had wonderful meetings and great times. We had Brother Joe Adams minister on Wednesday night that blessed us so much and, you know, many other things that as the week has went by and things that you've listened to or heard or read or, or, or um, communicated with others or whatever. But I wanted to kind of bring our thoughts back now to the word today as I'm going to do a little bit of mixing, maybe a preach-teach today and, and um, kind of bring in some things to, because I, I, I think it's really important that you know who it is that is among us. And I'm, and I'm identifying the angel of his presence that was here in our generation and this continues to be here even unto this day, because he is the I am God that was, which is, and shall come, the Almighty. Now, what sets us apart, as I've told you, uh, it sets us apart from this, the rest of the denominations in the Christian world today is that this message is not heralded from a denominational headquarters, but it is a message that descended from the heavenly dimensions beyond 
as an angel stepped out of the light, much like he did in the um, first exodus. This light was a whirling fire. It milled around, churning within, um, within and, and hanging first in the air and pulsating with an energy growing bigger and brighter as it, as it grew there. The light spread in the window, or not from the window, but in, in the place where Brother Branham was and spread out on the floor, getting larger and larger, spreading out across the floor. Now, you know, it would be sometimes later, I think it was when, with, when Brother Branham and seemed like the place was in Vidalia, um, uh, Illinois, where Brother Billy Paul was waking one night with Brother Branham, and, and he had asked him if he could see the angel of the Lord, said it would help Billy to understand. He helps me in the ministry. Can I wake him? And he gave permission to it. And he saw him standing there, a man about six foot tall and uh, olive complexion, and he had dark hair about to the shoulder. And, and then he had, um, as he was there, he, he, was, he, he saw the, the light around him, and he said he was really scared and, and, and uh, frightened by this light. He said, oh, Daddy, don't let him get me. And he said, oh, he'll not hurt you, son. He said, this is the angel of God that talks to me. And he said, in a few moments, the light gathered around him and around his feet, and he stepped right into that. And he said he changed back to that light, and he went right out the window. Now, this would come, of course, in almost every service that Brother Branham would preach. If he would mention seeing the angel of the Lord. And let me just say, if he didn't see him, he was present. And so in this occasion, when he first came, he would see this light come in, a place where he was praying and he heard footsteps and, and squinting at the light, you see a bare foot um, and then a white robe and then out of that, you know, would, light would walk a man. Well, it was like a man, yet it was a supernatural being that walked out of a light that had entered the room. And as it described, you know, a six foot tall, about 200 pounds, massive arms which were, were folded in front of him, and his dark hairs fell around his shoulders, and he appeared to be about the age of 30, beardless face, um, and um, a dark olive complexion. His eyes were dark and piercing, and, and it was this angelic visitation from God that revealed the Word. Now, I want you to understand this is what has happened all down through the Bible. This is the Bible way of the word being revealed to the prophets and apostles. And that's what gave us the Bible. Amen. And Genesis 22 tells of the story of Isaac being offered as a sacrifice. And it was there the angel of the Lord appears to Abraham and refers to himself as God in the first person. It would be Exodus 3 that we read from where the angel of the Lord was in this burning bush and identifies itself as the I am that I am. It would be in Exodus 14 and 19 that the angel of God led the children of Israel and then would also follow behind them with the pillar of fire. And this pillar of fire was a, a theophanic present that led the children of Israel to their promised land. 
And this too is a prophecy as we have already spoke about of the bride of Christ who is led by a pillar of fire all the way to the rapture. I want you to get it to you. He has not left us. Amen. He didn't go away when the prophet of God left. Amen. But he is still here with us. He is here except, he, you know, he is in his bright body, the, the church of Jesus Christ. Now, the pillar of fire provided light uh, so the Israelites could travel by night during their exodus from Egypt. And the Bible connects a pillar of fire with the manifestation of the divine presence uh, by day as a pillar of a cloud. Notice a cloud by day, a, a fire by night. So it could manifest itself as a cloud or could manifest itself as a light or could manifest itself as a man. And all of these were a theophanic presence. And of course, this, this made it so that the children of Israel could travel by night or by day and during the Israel's uh, travel in the desert, they traveling uh, to the promised land. Uh, Jehovah continually would use this pillar of fire and cloud to lead his people. He, they were a people directly led by the pillar of fire. And uh, when the, the pillar of fire would move forward, the, the people of Israel would pack up their tents and they would see it moving and they'd know it's time to move. Amen. When you see it moving, it's time to move. And they, they would pack up camp and they would follow behind it. And similarly, when the pillar of fire's uh, presence stopped, the Israelite would set up a camp underneath it. And the Levites would set up the tabernacle of the Lord directly under the pillar of fire or the cloud of, of the Lord. And this is the way that God's presence was, uh, was visibly in the center of the camp at all times. Amen. He must stay at the center of the church. This is where that by the preaching of the word, every true Levite or every true preacher of the gospel must, must center the church directly under the pillar of fire. Amen. Because he is the one that is leading him. It has to be directly under the word of God. And so it would be from this pillar of fire that God's theophanic presence um, where the word of God would come in the form of commandments upon Mount Sinai and would be given to Moses. Now, this, was, this is how the word of the Lord would come to the prophets. This would be where that Moses then would write the first five books of the Old Testaments and actually transfer the thoughts of God from God's thoughts to paper. I, I, I'm talking about we, we have a, an amazing book called the Bible. Amen. Because it, it records the words that were uttered by Almighty God and the thought and the plan of redemption. I hope that you love your Bible and you read your Bible, that it's, it becomes a very well-worn book. Amen. It's very important. You say, well, I tell you, Brother Tim, I'm just rejoicing and I'm just shouting over what God has done, but you better pray and read your Bible. Stay anchored in God's Word. 
Are you with me? Because that's the way you get close to God. It'll give you, it'll make you ready for the next experience with God. You'll see there's other things about God that you can come to know that nobody has a right to remain in their same condition. Amen. There's no excuse to be backslidden. And if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. Exactly right. But as I say, you know, again, here the commandments would be given to Israel and he would get them from the pillar of fire. I could see him almost as his finger of fire would go and write it in tables of stone. And, And of course, what he wants to do now is take his finger of the pillar of fire and write his word in your very nature, in your very heart. And that's what our prayer is this morning. It, it'll be more than a sermon. But it'll be an experience with the pillar of fire where he takes his fiery finger and writes in your nature to you and the word become one. Amen. Now these, these words that were formed, they were, as we speak right now, if you notice and yeah, whether it's like Brother Joe said the other night, I'm not stupid, but, you know, here's a definition of story. Well, uh, you know, you're not stupid either, but, I, but the words that come out of your mouth is your breath. They come out by your breath. Is that right? You breathe through your vocal cords and you express them with your tongue and form words. So your words are your breath that is breathed out. And you're speaking words as you do. And so the Bible said in 2 Timothy 3:16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, this, this literally means all scripture is God breathed. It's God uttering with his words, with his breath. And it is, so it's God's breathed. You cannot utter words without there being life in you. And that life is, is causing something to well up in you and come out the thoughts that's within your human spirit. Well, God's spirit does the same thing, that, uh, that his life causes words to come out from his very mind, and they become thoughts, and then they become expressed to a prophet. Are you with me? Now, so all Scripture is breathed by God or or the, you know, words are formed, as I said, uttered by your breath. So God literally breathed out the scripture. Amen. In other words, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture. Amen. That's why it's, it's a, a book that never goes old. It's, a, it's something that's eternal. It, it, it's not dated. Some with me, somebody with me. It's something that is as fresh today as when it was spoken then because it's eternal God's substance right in the Word. And He said, The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. So they're more than just words on the paper, but they're a spirit expressing His very thoughts, His very mind. And the substance of his mind is uttered by the Spirit. Now, we're reading from the account of Exodus, the second book of Moses, and Moses in the presence of this pillar of fire and the theophanic angel of the covenant. 
He would receive a commission with signs of deliverance. Notice Moses, Moses wrote, as I've said, the first five books of the Bible, the story of creation was revealed to a prophet by the hand of an angel. Amen. Moses would write, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You know, perhaps, you know, uh, let's say the Phoenician people, they had their account of, of, of how it all began. Maybe the, the Egyptians had all their accounts of how it all began. You know, perhaps the Hebrews from, you know, had accounts of how it all began. But Moses would have to forget all of those accounts. When he was in the presence of God and he would come into God's presence and he would begin to receive revelation that would literally transport him back to the very beginning and he would see God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Moses would, would write that. He would reveal even God's thoughts. You know, he would, he would perhaps even hear and then repeat for us the conversations that you hear between, uh, from between Adam and God and the conversation between Eve and the serpent and the conversation between Eve and God. Moses would actually hear those conversations and he would write down what had happened because that is a gift of a prophet. He is able to go up in the spirit and catch those things because they're all eternal. They're all thoughts. They're all, they're all written out there in the, in the very uh, tape of God's word. Amen. And so he could just be caught up in the spirit and go back all the way get back to the beginning of creation. Now, Moses would reveal God's thoughts, repeat these conversations, and he would actually then confer God's thoughts back to man. Now, how is this possible? I mean, this is incredible. This is totally phenomenal, beyond supernatural, way beyond the comprehension of, of human understanding. You know, we, we learned in the prophetic ministry of Brother Branham that even God could can transport him back 40 years. I want to get you just a moment and say, say to someone in the prayer line, I see you are becoming a much younger person. And he would watch them just shrink back to where uh, they were no longer an old person standing maybe in their 60s, 70s, no, 60s ain't old, 70s or 80s. And, and he, could, he could look back and he could say, I see you're getting younger. And he, and he says, you know, you're, you're, you're about 12 years old now. Now, can you imagine this? Go back till she's 12 years old. And, and he could see her in a classroom. I see you in a classroom, a schoolroom. And, and oh, you hit your pen. And it flew, it flew up in the air and it struck you in the eye. And it blinded your, your eye. And the woman began to scream and said, Brother Bradham, that was me. I'm blinding my right eye. Well, that would, 
pull him from the vision for a moment, and he would stand back a moment, and he'd say, uh, uh, wait just a minute. He says, I see you now. You're about 16 years old. And he said, you, you're out on, uh, on the, and you're walking. You look like maybe going to school or something. You have a checkered dress. You have a big ribbon in your hair. You have double braids hanging down your back. And, oh, you're, now you're running. Oh, you're running from something. I see what it is. You're running from a big yellow dog. And he said, you ran up onto a porch, and a woman now opens up her door, and quickly you ran in. And she says, Brother Branham, I ain't thought of that in years, but that's exactly the truth. That was me. Well, then he, said, then he says, now I see you. It's at the age you are now, and you're coming from a red barn, of, and you're walking toward a house real slow, and there's steps going up this way, and as you do, there's a flower bed here to your right, and it said as you, as you start up the steps, you're, you're leaning sideways, and you're crying from the pain, and you're saying... If I can ever get to Brother Branham's meeting, it'll all be over. And when he said that, that, you know, somebody actually had to catch the woman. She started, she fainted because, uh, because of that. But when she came to, her blind eye was normal, and she could move her back anyway, and her arthritis was completely healed. Now, this is just one of the thousands of incidences. You know, that God provided to us that the Word, as the Word discerned the heart, that the Word of the Lord, that we can say, came to a prophet. And just as Moses could stand and watch all creation unfold, the creation of man, the fall of man, and write it in the Bible, right down to the conversations. So God would use the prophets of the Bible to write the word of God, for God reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Amen. Amos 3 and 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So God used the prophets of the Bible to write the word of God, and for God reveals those secrets to his prophets. This is God's way of revealing his word. Are you with me? So even that, that light, I want to just take for a moment, that light would take the prophet to the river Jordan and, and even let him see the baptism of Jesus. Amen. I mean, when, when you know, he would talk about how that, you know, when he was a young preacher, and then coming up in the, in the church that, uh, as a lay member or lay minister, rather, of the church, and Brother Roy Davis was kind of instructing him and say, you know, uh, we're Baptists and we believe in baptism, and John hadn't been baptized. So when Jesus uh, got baptized of John, he, he said, suffered be so to fulfill all righteousness. So then Jesus turned around and baptized John. So, you know, you know, um, 
so, you know, he had those little talks, and Brother Brown said, it just didn't settle right with me. And he said, you know, I don't know, good doctor, about whether that's true or not. I don't know. I, 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 I you know, that sounds good. It sounds fine for John to, to baptize Jesus, and then Jesus turned around and baptized John. But, you know, he said, um, I, I don't know, but he said, one day, about two years ago, out in the woods where I was sitting, the Holy Spirit came down the light. And then I saw it when he revealed it. Can you imagine now? I mean, this is different from somebody guessing what was happening there and supposing what took place. This is someone that God could take and set him around, standing right there on the River Jordan and watch the whole thing happen. And I just want to say, you can't argue with somebody that was there. That's what a real witness is. Come on. That's why in the last age that God said, the faithful and true witness. Amen. Because God would bring a witness to the scripture like none other. So that we Gentiles in this last day could be sure as we stand on the cusp of the rapture that we could know this is a truth that has been restored. That the same one that the pillar of fire brought in the beginning is the same one the pillar of fire reveals in the end time. Now, he would explain that and he said, Jesus said, you know, it's becoming to us we fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus being God, John being the prophet, quickly Jesus knew um, that, he, that John would understand it because him being a prophet, the word came to. And he said, because the sacrifice according to the law had to be washed before it was presented. And that is true. They would take the sacrifice and wash between its legs and different parts of it before they offered it. Now, so again, and Jesus said, but suffer it to be so. So he could see the very thing. Now, this is the way the truth and revelation has always come. Amen. Amen. This is the Bible way. Amen. In our day, education and knowledge, it's thought that the true knowledge of God can only come from the high schools of knowledge and learning. But, but, but by the way, which one of those schools of learning is really ordained of God? Amen. Why is it Liberty University? Is it Dallas Seminary uh, Theological uh, Seminary? Is it Moody Theological Seminary and Graduate School in Chicago? Which one is it? Amen. Is it, is it the University of Notre Dame? Or is it the Holy Greek Orthodox School of Theology in Massachusetts? Or is it the Princeton University Cemetery? You know, is it a Loyola University in Chicago? Is it Yale Divinity School? Is it the Methodist University? Which one of these? In fact, the matter is there's about 40,000 denominations and they probably all have their school. Amen. So which one of them was God ordained? that a pillar of fire appeared to. Amen. I want to ask, did an angel visit them? Were, they, were there theologians taught by an angel? You know, if I graduate from Loyola University with a summa cum laude, 
And an honorary that's an honorary title of highest distinction. Did God give that to me or did man do it? Well, Paul said, I, I graduated a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I graduated summa cum laude. But I counted it but dung that I might win Christ. And I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. I didn't get this in a degree from man of some summa cum laude. I got in the presence of the pillar of fire that light I met on the road to Damascus. And it was there God revealed to me and separated from me the law from grace. And let me just tell you, God bestowed more than an honorary title of summa cum laude upon William Branham. He gave him the title of a prophet. Amen. And what must a prophet do is seek out the will, the word of God. He must do it because being a prophet, the word of the Lord comes to him. They said to Brother Branham, and this is what his critics say. Well, he's not a theologian. Well, never does the Bible say the Word of God comes to a theologian. Nowhere. They're the ones who messes it up. The Word of God comes to a prophet. Now, what made Moses' message credible? What, what if he'd have come with the commandments without signs first? Huh? What if he'd have come and said, now, I've been out here 40 years. I met God in the wilderness. It was a light, a pillar of fire. This is all real, real uh, phenomenal, real. I mean, this is a big tale. Now you're coming out, and I met God. And he took and wrote with his fingers on Ten Commandments, on, on stone. And, and here I have these stones right here. This is what you're to do, oh, Israel. You see, you see, what if he would appear without the signs and making claims of the appearance of the I am God in a burning bush. This would just been a fantastic story. Come on. Without signs, they would have never believed him. But after turning a rod into a serpent, after a leper's hand was thrust into his bosom and cleansed, after ten plagues, and time after time it never failed, Israel believed him and got up and left with him and went to a promised land. A land they had never seen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Where do you think we are going? We are following a pillar of fire to a land that has never been seen. One I've never laid my eyes on, but I know it's there. I know it's real. Yes, I know it's real. Why? Something's happened in my heart because I've seen the signs of vindication. And after thousands of accurate pinpoint discernments, after thousands of miracles and healings, proving the presence of the angel of God, we can believe the message of this messenger when he said, I was in the wilderness. I'm going to tell you, without that, talking about coming back and giving a fantastic story, I said, let there come a squirrel and there come a squirrel there. Oh, yeah, right. 
I was there in the wilderness and I spoke to a storm and it dissipated. Oh, yeah, right. I was there, I was there, you know, you know, in, in a room and I spoke to a tumor 1,500 miles away and it left. Well, the tumor left, but did it have anything to do with you? It just was a mistake. It's kind of like our grandson Jude. After coming back and, you know, seeing the, with the, the proof of the, the kidneys and the enlarged kidney and, the, and the, the other shrunken and, you know, only working a certain percentage and, and, and you know, and, and coming up for prayer and a baby who would not even wet his diaper at night. But next day after prayer, start wetting his diapers every night, soggy diapers. Take him back to the doctor, and he said, well, somebody just made a mistake in, in their test. You know, it's easy to dismiss when you're an unbeliever. You don't have anything in you to believe. God can do things a thousand times, thousands of times, over and over and over again. Jesus said, it wouldn't do any good for you if one raised from the dead, you wouldn't believe. And Jesus did raise from the dead, and they don't believe. We can believe the message of the messenger when he says, I was out there in the wilderness. I'm getting this now from the message of grace. And I looked. As I went down to Sportsman Hollow, and something said, turn this way and go there. And I looked, and I saw. And there was there three rainbows. And they were growing taller and taller. And he, as I saw those rainbows there coming up, up out, uh, look at like out of the ground, you know, right at ground level. And, and they were going up and they're pulsating. And he says, I sat down my gun. I started walking closer with, towards, my, towards it with my hands up. And something seemed to tell me this is close enough. And he said, I was actually going to sat down and take my boots off and see if I could walk a little closer. And I got within a few yards of it. I could see the color of it. It was misting like a fog around. And I stood still for a few moments. It was right coming right off the top of that little mountain. And as I watched the three, one to the right and one to the left and the other in the center, and it running down into, the, into a bowl-like affair and, and said whatever it was was alive. Amen. It was moving. It was making its motions. And I stood there just as it was gray and dawn. And I turned and I looked and I said, and I screamed out, Oh, God, what would you have your servant know? And just then the Spirit of God came in and said, Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old. He only changed his mask from spirit to man. And that was confirming, of course, my message of him. Let me know assured that these 31 years has not been in vain. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you imagine we have the truth of the Godhead. It is absolutely confirmed by the angel of God. It's not a prophet's message of his own mind. It's the mind of God expressed. Are you with me? 
And it says, Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old. He only changes mass from spirit to man. How can you message believers come along and get two lords out of that? How, long, how can you get more than one God or Jesus a lesser God than God? How can you imagine all of that kind of nonsense? You only could get that from a theologian. You'd never get that from a prophet of God. A prophet of God went in the presence of God and said, the Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. I certify to you, brethren, that this which we receive is not a man. It is of God. It didn't come from the Catholic University of Loyola. It didn't come from Harvard. It didn't come from a school of learning. It wasn't summa cum laude, backed up with a diploma by man and certified by man. It was certified by God himself. He said, when I seen them rainbows about as wide as across that, ha that halo is, that angel of the Lord, but there were three of them running into one. Oh, my, how it helped my heart to know that God, that Jesus is not just a man as people think he is, just a prophet as this modern-day idea today thinks that Jesus was just a prophet. He is Jehovah of the Old Testament, made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. And he said, that sure did comfort me. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm comforted too by it. Hallelujah. Amen. We might have had men that could speak in tongues and prophecy and, and it sounded just rattled off like, oh, it was wonderful. But I'll tell you what, this prophet was more than a speaker of tongue or, and a prophesier. He was a prophet of God. Amen. He was the seventh angel to the last church age. Come on, church. Amen. And, and there he walked into the presence of God and came out with revelation. And that's what we believe because it's revelation by divine vindication. He says again in the message of grace, now Jesus Christ dwells in the people. That's where he dwells now. One day Christ was in a pillar of fire. That's the one you've seen taken. Find that, that picture and keep it up here till we change verses. One, one day Christ was in a pillar of fire. That one you see taken. And we believe it to be Jehovah God. That's what the angel was trying to get to us. Notice Brother Branham bringing this out. He said, this is what the angel was trying to get to us. Now, this is no theologian trying to pass on his reasoning. This is what the angel is trying to get to you. Amen. That now he was in the fatherhood then. He was the father of Israel, a nation. Then he come down and dwelt among his people as Christ the Son. Is that right? Christ was the Son of God. Now he's Christ the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing. Christ means the anointed, anointed one upon the people. Christ with us, the Holy Spirit is Christ in us. The Holy Spirit is Christ with us, in us. Notice Notice now, this is, so, this is so wonderful. When I think where our faith is, our faith is not in an old mother whore church. 
that has twisted the words of what was supposed to be her husband for, for thousands of years until they've got it molded into something that don't even resemble the Bible. I'm glad our hope is there. Brother Branham, again, let your light so shine. See, said Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah the Old. He just changed his veil. When I sat studying that, I find the same word where he changed his countenance in the, in the Greek didn't mean changing his mask. Not exactly his veil, but his mask. And it come to place, he was transformed. And that means he changed his way. He was Jehovah God. And Jehovah God changed himself from a spirit and become a man. He's the same Jehovah God, which that was the father, and this is the son, being the same person. How do we get two gods out of that? How do we get two lords in that? How do we get God and his son Jesus out of that? They're the same person. That's what the angel revealed. Amen. Now, you know, I'm going to show you where this is important here in a moment. But an unveiling of God, Brother Branham brings it again. Jehovah, the Old Testament, is the Jesus of the New Testament. He is the same God just changing his form. Amen. Now, somebody said the other day, a Baptist minister in Tucson said, how can you say that Jesus and God would be the same person? And I said, well, it would be very easy if you'd let your own thinking get away and think Bible terms of it. They are the self-same being. God is a spirit, and Jesus, Jesus is the body that he was veiled in. I said, like in my home, to my wife, I'm her husband. I have a young daughter, Rebecca. I'm her father. I have a grandson. His name is Paul. I'm his grandfather. I'm a husband, a father, and a grandfather. My wife has no claims on me as a father or grandfather. She has claims on me alone as husband. My daughter has no claims on me as husband or grandfather. She is my child. But yet all these three persons is the same person. That's God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is just dispensation claims. God is same, the same God. Amen. Amen. God changed himself, changed his form. If you notice in Philippians, he said, now, not thinking of robbery, but he took on the form of man. Now, the Greek word there in that form, I've been looking at it all day yesterday, trying to think of what it was, and I come find out, with to come up with this word, amorphe. And that means that he changed himself. He come down. In other words, he condescended. Now, the Greek word there means something that could not be seen, yet it's there, and then it's changed so the eye can catch it. Amen. This is exactly what God did. He changed forms. He could not be seen as the invisible God, so he comes and he changes form and becomes a man so the eye can catch it. Amen. And we'll go to Philippians 2 and 5 and we'll see where, where this is written. Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form, now that word is morphe, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So he was there first in the form of God. He didn't believe it was wrong to be God. Come on. And to show himself as God. 
But he made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form, the morphe, of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So you see, for the purpose of dying, he changes his form to become a man. For the purpose of of giving or making himself the sacrifice to pay for your sins and my sins. So in the unveiling of God, Brother Brown says, so that's what I'm trying to say, that God has always was, is the God that always was, is here. The only thing he done when he become man, he changed his mask. You see, he, he, this is amorphic. He changed himself to what he was, to what he is, and his mask to another act. So he would change his form and he would appear as Elohim. And then he would appear to Abraham as El Shaddai. The I am the Almighty God. Amen. And then he would change again to Melchizedek, the priest king. Come on. Amen. Because it would be there that would reflect the coming of another priesthood that would not come from Levi but because Jesus would be born of Judah, but he would be a priest of the order of Melchizedek and would be priest king. Somebody with me now? Amen. Now, so again, he would change his form. It would be Elohim. It would be El Shaddai, the breasted God. It would be Melchizedek. All of these forms, then it would be Jehovah. Jehovah there that he would reveal himself upon the mount. All of these and all of this, you know, Abraham never got confused. He knew it was the same God. Amen. Revealing himself as Elohim, as, as El Shaddai, as Melchizedek, or however. And let me tell you, it was the same God that created himself a body and came in Jesus. And who is this Melchizedek? He said, now we find out this person, Melchizedek, had no father, no mother, no beginning of days or end of life. It was God in Morphe. The world, the, the word comes, the Greek word means to change, was used, um, changing himself in Morphe from one person. Uh, the Greek word there in Morphe means it was taken from the stage act that one person is changing his mask to make another character. The English word, you know, that we would use is morph. You know, the morph would change from one image to another. Right? Amen. You know, and, and so you can, you, they use it a lot of times in, in cartoons and things like that where they'll take a character and he will morph all of a sudden into another creature. You know, this is what God would do. He would morph himself in morphe. He would change his form from spirit to man and then back to spirit again. For Jesus said, I come from God, and I go back to God. I came from God is the Spirit. That's what I was. I become a man, and I'm going back to Spirit again. Now, then he explains. He said, like recently, I was, I believe Rebecca, just before she graduated, they had 
one of the Shakespeare's plays, and one man changed his clothes several times because he played two or three different parts, but the same person. He come out next time, uh, one time he's a villain. When he comes out another time, he's another character. Now, the Greek word in Morphe means he changed his mask, and he said, that's what God did. It's the same God all the time. God in the form of the Father, the Spirit, the pillar of fire, the same God was made flesh, dwelt among us in Morphe, brought out so he could be seen. As Jesus is said of Jesus, you know, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten of the Father, he had declared him. And now the same God is the Holy Ghost, Father, Son, Holy, not three gods, three offices, three acts of the one God. Amen. The Bible said there is one God, not three. That's how they couldn't. You can't get this straightened out and have three gods. You could never sell a Jew that. I'll tell you that one who knows better, he knows there's only one God. God in Morphe, in mask, in a pillar of fire. God in, ma- in Morphe, in a man cry- called Jesus. God in Morphe, in his church. God above us, God with us, God in us. The condescending of God. Up there, holy, no one could touch him. Settle up on a mountain. Even if an animal touched the mountain, had to die. And then when God came and changed his tent and come down and lived with us, become one of us, and we beheld him, the Bible said, 1 Timothy 3, 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh, handled with hands. You notice that? God was manifest in flesh. Amen. You know, he said, God ate meat. God drank water. God slept. God cried. He was one of us, beautiful typed out in the Bible, that was God above us, God with us. No, it's God in us, the Holy Spirit, not the third person, the same person. God came down and became flesh and died the death in Christ so that God, so he could clean the church in order to to get into it for fellowship. God loves fellowship. And that's what he made man for it the first time, was for fellowship. God dwelled alone with cherubims, and he made man, and man fell, so he came down and redeemed man, because God loves to be worshiped. And the very main word God means object of worship. And this comes, this that comes among us as a pillar of fire, as something that changes our heart. That's the same God. Listen, church, that's the same God that said, let there be light. Amen. We've been singing there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the bride of Jesus. Because the same life, the same God, the same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit of Christ that dwelt in the corporal body of Jesus is now here in bride form. That's what he was showing through Brother Bradley's ministry. He wasn't in the heavens. He's right here on the earth working in a bride people. His attitude the same toward the sinner. Come on, don't go to telling me days of mercy and grace is over. His attitude is the same toward sinner. His attitude is the same toward the lost. His attitude is the same toward the sick. Amen. No matter how lost in sin you are, his attitude is the same. As he said to the woman at the well, Amen. Leave your pot. Go, go tell him there's a man here. 
Amen. That can discern your heart. Amen. That can heal your body. That can save your soul. That can answer the thirst in your heart. The same God that said, let there be light, and there was light. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you know, there's a Christian science woman challenged Brother Branham on the deity of Christ. She said, she come to him and said, I got something, one thing against you, Brother Branham. I said, I love what you're doing, but I still got one thing against you. And he said, well, glory be, one thing. He said, I must be doing pretty good. All you got is one. She said, no, really, I got one thing. said, um, you know, I'll tell you, my, my beef with you is you brag too much on Jesus. Can you imagine that? Well, you know, that same spirit got in the message. Oh, yeah. And man, they didn't want you bragging on Jesus no more. He just, he, he's not even God. He's just a man. You know, again, that same evil spirit got on others and tried to make Brother Branham God. Come on. So, well, you know, Brother Branham said, well, if that's all you got against me and that's all God has against me, I hope that's all he got against me is I brag too much on Jesus. She said, well, you know, you make him divine. And he said, she said, I can prove he wasn't divine. And he said, well, if he was anything less than God, he's the greatest deceiver the world ever had. I said, the Holy Ghost, God overshadowed the virgin and created a blood cell in the womb. And this blood cell was the Son of God. And through that blood, we have remission of sins. Man knew nothing about that woman. She said, I never knew a man. And that was God himself tabernacling with man, God himself. I said, he was both man and God. Amen. What was it? It was God reconciling the world to himself. Amen. Oh, my, wake yourself up now. I know you missed an hour of sleep, and I'm not going to let you make it up in church. You make me work hard, I'll tell you, I'll take my coat off and work harder. Put this over there. Hallelujah. So, well, you make him divine. Oh, he's either God or he's the greatest deceiver the world ever knew. Amen. He was God. Amen. Listen, let me just go. He said, anybody that ever amounted to a hill of beans has been people that believed he was God. So if you don't get here, you'll never amount to a hill of beans. I'm just quoting the prophet. Amen. You know why? Because he was emphatic. The whole church is built on that revelation. Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church. Spirit revealed truth of the supreme deity of Jesus Christ. On this rock, the spirit revealed truth of the deity of Jesus Christ. On this rock, I'll build my church. It's only when the church is established there, the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. So you see, it's important that we understand and we know who this is among us. God hiding himself in simplicity. He said when he stood there on the cross, he said, if you're the son of God, won't you come down on that cross, we'll believe you. See, the same things, when they could think of this man doing a miracle, then they couldn't deny that. But to see him standing there, the very God of creation, 
Now, I know modern trend today try to make him something or some other person, but he was no other person but God himself. And that's right, today the modern trend said he's a great teacher. He, he was a prophet. He's a great teacher, and he was a prophet. But he was more than a teacher. He was more than a prophet. He was God, nothing less than God. God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world. Jesus said, it's not me that doeth the thing, it's my Father, and he dwells in me. It's the Father in me. He was God manifested in the flesh. Amen. Now, who taught him the Godhead? He couldn't have got this from Loyola. That's a Catholic university who believes in three persons, that God is three people. God in three persons, blessed trinity. Well, I was off key and I was off tune, but that's what they are. They're off key and they're out of tune. Because there's no such thing as a trinity even in the Bible. Never one time the word mentioned trinity. It's an invention from Rome. Nowhere in the Bible is three persons and a God had represented. Nowhere does it say in the Bible Jesus was in the Godhead. But the fullness of the Godhead was in him. So who taught him the Godhead? You know, there are certain seemingly, well, you know, some, some contradictions in the Bible. Such as Matthew 28, and, uh, 28 19. Why don't you put that up for me? Let's just look at it. We're going to baptize one this morning. Let's talk about these, where some, you know, consider this a contradiction. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So, well, Brother Tim, there's three. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Ghost. That's reasoning. You got that calculation by reasoning. You didn't get that calculation from the Bible. Come on. Look at it again. Go back, back and baptize in what? The name. None of them are names. They're all titles. They're titles of one name. Isaiah 9 and 6. Put it up for a moment. Let's see if his name isn't Father. Let's see if his, or his title isn't Father. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called these things. These are things his name will be called. These, 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 are, uh, these are adjectives that will describe him. First of all, his name isn't wonderful, but he sure is. He is a counselor, but that isn't his name. He is the mighty God, which means the warrior God, and he certainly was. He come to take on human battle. He's also the everlasting Father. Amen. He's the Prince of Peace. Is that right? These are all the titles of his name. But he has a name, and they shall call his name Jesus. Jehovah the Savior is what that means. For he will save his people from their sin. And the Bible teaches you there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. 
Put Matthew 28, 19 back up there again. So here again, and some would say, well, I know where you're going to next. You're going to go to what old Peter said. I ain't going to believe what Peter said. I'm going to believe what old, I'm only going to believe what Jesus said. I want you to read right down at the bottom, right there, and see who was it said that. Come on. Can anybody read it? Matthew. Matthew said Jesus said that. Come on. Amen. We're not arguing with Matthew. Amen. Because he knew who, he knew what the name was. Amen. All of the apostles in the Bible knew what that name was. And when they carried this out, all in the book of Acts, they carried it out and baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. Every place in the Bible where this scripture was put into practice was done that way until the Romans got a hold of it. And if you're baptized like that in, in the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, number one, you don't know who Jesus is. Number two, you've never taken on his name. And he said, do everything in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. So Matthew said, so are you going to believe Matthew now or Peter? Now, Jesus gives the keys to the kingdom to a man by the name of Peter. Somebody with me? He gives the keys to the kingdom to a man by the name of Peter. Now, he says, the keys... I don't have my keys with you. You got keys on you? No. Anybody got keys? There's keys. There's one. Come here. So the key is given to open up the door. This is what it's for. It's to stick in there and open the door. Now, this is a Father, Son, Holy Ghost key. It won't open that door. It might drive your car, but it ain't going to open that door. It's a Father, Son, Holy Ghost key. And it won't open the door. But Peter knew how to get the door open. He said, repent every one of you. Acts 2.38, repent every one of you. Amen. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What? In the name. Here we got a name. God has a name. He was the I am that I am in the beginning, but now God has a name. They don't even know how to pronounce his name, I am that I am. They lost the pronunciation, but God gave us his name. His name is Jesus. And if you want to go into heaven, you got to have that key. To go in that door. Because the door into heaven is Jesus. And you only get in it through Jesus. Amen. And you got to be filled with the spirit of Jesus to get into heaven. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost as a gift. That's what that means. 
receive the Holy Ghost as a gift. It's the person of Christ coming into you to dwell in you as the person the Father came to dwell in Jesus. But who taught, who taught Brother Brandon the Godhead? You know, in baptism, one says baptize in the name of the Father. Pentecostals come along with the oneness moves. Just Jesus only. Just baptize in the name of Jesus. Again, they don't have the revelation. That's why when I baptize, I always baptize, quoting Matthew 28, 19, and saying, in obedience to this divine command. I baptize you in the name of the Lord, that's the Father, Jesus, that's the Son, the Holy Ghost, that's the Spirit, but they're all in one. You say, Brother Tim, they're not one like your finger, no, neither are they two like two fingers, or three like three fingers, but rather God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so that one that was in Jesus, there in the body of Jesus, can come right here and be right with us and yet still be in the body of Jesus. Just like the wind can be in Menden and be right here now. Or it can be in California and be blowing all this way and the same wind. Now, so one says baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. The other says to administer baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. So, you know, there's, they seem to be this contradiction. That Godhead explained. I want you to watch the title. Brother Branham's explaining the Godhead. And he said, some of them said, well, I'll take what Jesus said and not what Peter said. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. That was coined by the, by the early Trinitarian Pentecostals when, when the, first, uh, the, the first part the, just the infancy of the revelation of the name of Jesus was, had come in. They, oh, we're not, we're going to believe what Jesus said, and we're not going to believe what Peter said. And it wasn't even so much what Jesus said, it's what Matthew said Jesus said, and what Peter was preaching was what Jesus also said. Where do you think Peter learned that? How in the world does 100, you know, 2,000 get the Holy Ghost after Peter tells them to be baptized wrong then? 3,000 souls added, right? Amen. So again, he said, if they're contrary to one another, well, what, are we, what are we going on? If it ain't all God, if it all ain't God, what part of the Bible is right? It's got to coincide and come together. And only the revelation of God in our schools will never teach it. It's a revelation that you must see. And then if them two men, Jesus and Peter, were contrary to one another, then what kind of Bible are we reading? How do I know whether John 14 is right or not? 
How do I know whether John 3 is right? How do I know? See, but only the way I can have faith in God is to know that the Bible is right and believe it is right and stay right with it, though I don't understand that I move on it anyhow. But when these contradictions come up, I want you to hear this. Everybody wake up right now. When these contradictions come up, then I go before God to find out. And the same angel that meets me in the meetings in the night is the same one who taught me this. Why so? Why, why come back to the Bible is taught by the angel of the covenant? Because it is time for the mysteries to be made known. See what day we're living in? Daniel 12 and 9 said, he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until how long? Till the time of the end. Yes, that's right. And many shall be purified and made white and tried, and the wicked shall be uh, do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Are you with me now? But when did he say it would be at the time of the end that these mysteries of the Bible would be cleared up? Now, Again, the end time message shall reveal it, the last church age. God ordained it until we come to the last church age after they lost the truth of the Bible. And they did. And restoration started to happen with Luther, Wesley, and each one adding a part back. But again, it, it took a prophet in this last day who went in the presence of the angel. He didn't go to Notre Dame to get this. He went into the presence of the pillar of fire like Moses did, like Paul did, like all of them did. Is somebody with me now? Amen. He said the mystery, the things the church bats their eyes and says it's nonsense. The mystery of who Jesus Christ was, not a third person, not a second person, not the third person, but the person of God. All, all, all of these other mysteries of God will be revealed because it's wrote in here in this book and be revealed to the end time generation. Now, who in the world is going to come up and say, well, Branham, make up your mind. Was he God or isn't he God? He is God. That's what he taught the whole thing. Amen. If you need to make up your mind, first of all, get God in your heart and the Holy Spirit moving and get in the presence of God and he'll reveal and open up the thing to you. You no longer have this double visions where you see two lords. Now, and he said, you know, no wonder he says, they said they couldn't see it no more in the seminaries and the schools and denomination than the Jews could see Jesus being the Messiah. No wonder they try to think you're crazy. No wonder they think you're foolish. No wonder they can't understand why you don't cluck up with them. Because there is a power and a vision behind it. A word of God that's been revealed to get the church in order for the rapture and the going home. Yes, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. But thank God he's given us knowledge by the angel of God. You see, never was the Trinity taught by the Bible. The Bible, let me tell you, let's get it clear. This Bible is a one God Bible. Amen. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And message people, there never was two lords taught in the Bible. 
they ain't two lords. Zechariah 4 and 14, 9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And that day there shall be one Lord and his name Lord. Or his name one. Get it up there where you can see. The Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day, and there shall be one Lord in his name, one. Now, to this Jesus agreed in Mark 12, 29. Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Ephesians 4 and 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're all called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. The same God is the one, is Father of all. Come on, somebody. He is above all, and he is now in you all. That's the Holy Ghost. Now, where do these people, where do people get two lords from? They get it from theologians. I'm a student of the message. You can't find this stuff in the, in the message. This is, this is never a doctrine of Brother Brown, never something formulated by him. It wasn't something ever taught by him. He never said, he never took a sermon and said, okay, we're preaching on two lords today. You know, it came from theologians, and theologians get the word mixed up because, you see, they're made up by theories. Theory. Theologian. Theory. A theory is a speculation and suppositions surmising and guessing without divine vindication. I want you to understand what we have today wasn't surmised, wasn't guessed. Amen. It was a prophet going in there in the midst of the pillar of fire and he's saying that Jehovah, the Old Testament, is the Jesus of the New. It's the same God only changing his mask. And if you got a problem with that, you got a problem with the angel. Amen. Psalms 110, verse 1. We're going to go through this for a minute. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So now, Brother Tim, see, now there's two lords because there's the Lord and the Lord. That's two. You're about as cross eyed as the Trinitarians are. Seeing three. What are you saying here? Watch it now. The Lord, that's Jehovah. How many agree with me? Capital O, L, O, R, D. That's all in caps. That represents Jehovah. The Lord, Jehovah, said unto my Lord, David the king, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies my footstool. So in other words, meaning that God had positioned David upon the throne and he would sit in power and authority until all his enemies were conquered. That's what the scripture means. So Jehovah said unto David, amen, he said unto him, sit on the throne, sit at my right hand. You know, sit in a position of power and authority. 
until I make thine enemies my footstool. Now, this became understood to mean more than David, but now a messianic prophecy. Whereas the Messiah, the son of David of the tribe of Judah, would come and would sit and be enthroned with power and authority and conquer every enemy. Now, Jesus would use this on the Pharisees. In Matthew 22, verse 41, let's watch Jesus now. He uses it, you know, because they're trying to trap him up. And he said, well, I got one for you. Now, you answer, you answer me, and then I'll answer you. So he says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think you of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. That's who they believed the Messiah would be, the one, the Savior that would come. He would save them from the Romans. They had it all figured out. He's going to be the son of David. He said, there's one promise sit on his throne. And he said unto them, then how then did David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies my footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And I said, duh. Uh, I don't know. And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Now, David called him Lord. So how is he his son? Because he is the root and the offspring of David. As one born in the tribe of Judah and the lineage of David, he is also the root in that he is the creator of all things. So he was the root of David. He was the creator of the world. And yet he come and was born in the lineage of David in the tribe of Judah. And this is how he was, he was the Lord, the creator, yet David's son. Because God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, you can't understand that without knowing that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And this is what they didn't want to see. Now, David called him Lord. So how is he his son? Because he's the root and offspring. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse 34. But David is, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. So now David, when he made this prophecy in the Psalms, he wasn't in the heavens, but he said, he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Well, then you would have to be in the heavens to sit on the right hand of God. So he said, David's not a sin in the heavens, but he said himself, the Lord said unto myself, sit unto, uh, unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that the God hath made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, he is both Lord and Christ. So when Jesus rose from the dead, come on, Amen. He was not only, he was not only Christ the Messiah, the man of the flesh, but now he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen. So he was made Lord, ruler of the universe. 
death and hell, the ruler of the death, hell and the grave, and this powerful and majestic Lord is Christ the Messiah. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering sometimes, oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, now here he's going over, he said, look, think of the millions of lambs that have been slain, and none of them could take away sin. But he said, but this man, this man, Jesus, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. So he said, this man offered one sacrifice and went there and sat in the realm of power and authority. Now, this right hand of God does not mean he's a lesser God sitting besides a greater God. This is not two people reigning either. One on a throne and the other at his right hand. First of all, God is a spirit and he don't have a hand. God only has a hand when he has a body. Come on, somebody. Amen. And secondly, the right hand means, it means the position of power and authority. And that simply means that this man, Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for sin, has offered back, has entered back into the power and authority of being God again. And through this very act of his death at Calvary, everything, every demon spirit, every devil of hell, every sin, and every sickness will eventually be fully and totally conquered and ruled by him. He is confident that what he did at Calvary works and that all we got to do is come in his name and that name will cast out devils. That name, amen, will transform lives. That name will save the vilest sinner from sin. He, he has no more work to do on earth. Because that one sacrifice will defeat every devil, every addiction, every drug habit, every spirit of alcohol, every demon of hell. The revelation of Jesus Christ in the church age book, yes, if there were three gods, you might very well baptize for Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But the revelation given to John was that there was one God and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you baptize for one God, you baptize for one God and only one. That's right. Well, wait a minute. Don't get on from me for believing in one God. That's right. That's right. He said here, you baptize for one God and only one. And that's why Peter baptized the way he did at Pentecost. He had the true revelation, which was, let the, all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. There he is, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And he says, if Jesus is both Lord and Christ, then he, Jesus, is and cannot be anything else but 
Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in one person manifested in the flesh. It is not one God in three persons, blessed Trinity, but one God, one person with three major titles, with three offices manifesting those titles. Here once more, this same Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Lord, Father, I'm still reading, Lord, Father, and Christ, Holy Spirit, our Jesus. For he, Jesus, is both of them, Lord and Christ. Amen. Put that, put that scripture back up there, that last one. He hath made this same Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Now let's read it again. Notice this. Can you find it? Oh, well, it was the one before. It was Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Amen. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord, Brother Brandon said that's Father, and Christ, that's Holy Ghost. Now, Ephesian church age, he said, these things which holdeth the, the seven stars in his right hand, we walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is he of whom it said, the same Jesus is both Lord and Christ. There he is, the one and only Lord God Almighty, and beside him there is no other. There he is, the Savior, salvation Lord, Jonah 2 and 9, walk in the midst of the churches through the seven ages. What he was in the first age, he, he is in all ages. To every believer, he is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did once, he is still doing and will keep on doing. That's right. You know, again, I'm going to come back to this because I hear it all the time from people, you don't want to come and say, you know, I, I heard your oneness. I had somebody write me the other day from Australia. I heard your oneness. Well, I do believe in one God, right. not three. And I believe in one Lord, Amen. not two. And I'm not a oneness, but I'm not a oneness like the UPC and the Jesus only. I'm a believer in one God. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the church's book, he said the Spirit of God in John expressly thus, expresses thusly in one, in order, to set forth the supreme deity of Jesus Christ and to reveal the Godhead as one God. I don't know how you're getting more than one. So, well, he ain't one. It was God and his son Jesus, and Jesus was not God. Now you're heathen. Now, you, now you've done come back to the place where, you know, anybody that, that would ever amount to a hill of beans will believe that Jesus is the supreme deity. Okay, so you say, well, but, but Brother Tim, Jesus couldn't be his own father. But the eternal spirit, the father, created himself a body. Yes. Thus God fathered a son and came and dwelled in him. Right. Now, God is not one like your finger. I'm going to go over that again. Neither is he two like two fingers. And he's certainly not three like three fingers. Rather, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
Now, this is, this is really important that we, under, we understand this. Now, watch this in discerning the body of the Lord. He said, how many knows that Jesus today is a pillar of fire? That's the form he's here now in. Amen. That followed the children of Israel. I came from God, I go to God. I came from that pillar of fire, I'm returning back to there. When Paul met him on the road to Damascus, what was he? The great light, the pillar of fire. He's the same one today, the Holy Spirit of God. The body of Jesus sits at the right hand of God on his throne in heaven, but his spirit is here on the earth and completing, completing and finishing his work. Now, wait a minute. So he can't be one like your finger because his body is there and his spirit is here. And he said that same spirit that lived in the body of Jesus Christ was the same spirit that was in that angel that came down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you believe that? The same one that followed the children of Israel. So again, see, he's not one like his finger. He can be in the body of Jesus upon the throne, not comatose, but ever living to make intercession. Come on. And yet the same Spirit of Christ be in your heart and still move and blow like the rushing mighty wind through the church or even manifest himself in a pillar of fire. The same Jesus. Because Brother Brandon said he's the same in every detail but his corporal body because he's not here in his corporal body. He's here in the body of his church. The same pillar of fire. So, what body is Jesus in now? In Revelation book of symbols, he said in the Old Testament, he was a pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. That was Christ, the, Ar- the angel of the covenant. In the, Old, in the New Testament, he manifests himself in flesh to take away sin, to bring us back to sons and daughters of God. One day, coming down the road, come a little sassy Jew, he's going to arrest those people who were crying and praising God and prophesying, and what met him? A beautiful light. What body is Jesus in now? A light. The same pillar of fire that he was at the beginning. Now, we're talking about what body is he in now Upon the earth. Because we'll meet the corporal body of Jesus Christ in the air. Amen. But what body does he appear now in? In a pillar of fire. And then each one of us get a lick of that pillar of fire. So he dwells in us too. So he can't be one like your finger. You see, you know, he is there. He's in your heart. He is there in the congregation. He's in your heart, my heart, everybody around the world at the same time. Come on. He's not one like your finger, amen, but he is there. He is one God, but he can manifest himself in 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 the body on the throne, ever living to make intercession, there in a pillar of fire, discern the thoughts and intents of the heart, heal the sick. Come on. He can there come transform himself right there as the angel of the covenant. He can come right there move within your heart. He can come and move through the church and licks of fire, fall upon 120 in the upper room. Amen. He's not one like your finger, but he's the same God. Now, Brother Bradham tells us, God told Moses, I'm going to 
send an angel, my angel, before you to keep you in the way. And anybody knows that angel was Jesus Christ, which was the pillar of fire. It was Christ. His name wasn't Jesus yet until he was manifested in the flesh. You know, I was looking just a few moments ago for an address. Somebody on there called one of our brothers uh, a Branhamite. We're not a Branhamite. We were f- we're following the pillar of fire. That's what we're following. We are we're not a little William Branham. We are a follower of Jesus Christ. We are a Christian. Are you see me? Are you are you with me? Amen. You see, as he said, his name. Let me, let me read it again. He said, I'm going to send an angel before you to keep you in a way that anyone knows that angel was Jesus Christ, which was a pillar of fire. It was Christ. His name wasn't Jesus yet until he was manifested in flesh. And there ye shall call his name Jesus. Yeshua. Amen. Because he will save his people from their sins. Are you with me now? So you see, this is where he would come in the last, as he approached in the last church age, and he said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to set before you an open door. And he's talking about it in the Philadelphian age. And he's telling there's a revelation coming that's just going to open the door to the rest of the scripture. And he said, what was that open door? He said it was a revelation of the supreme deity of Jesus Christ, not being a second person of a trinity, but being God himself made flesh and dwelling among us. So God would be given an open door. Don't try to close the door and make two lords or three gods or whatever else. Come on now, church. Amen. We gotta we gotta keep it right because it's a revelation. When you know who Jesus is, then you know who you are. Amen. And if you can be assured that this Jesus that we are serving today, he was in a pillar of fire, discerning the thoughts and thoughts of our heart. He was the light that appeared on the road to Damascus. He was the one who dwelt in Jesus Christ. He was the one that appeared to Moses. He was the one that created the heavens and the earth. Amen. He is that same God. And whatever he did then, he's that same God that I moved today. If he healed the sick then, he'll heal the sick now. If he raised the dead then, he'll raise the dead now. Because he's the same God. And he's both Lord and Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Father Son, Holy Ghost, same God in his fatherhood, his sonship, and in his spirit. This open door. Now, what is that open door? He said, what is it but a revelation of him? That revelation is opening up to bring us strength. Oh, Brother Tim, you're really preaching elementary. This is to give you strength. Amen. To illuminate the word and glorify his name. Now you can see the same God working all the way through. And he's here right now finishing up redemption. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, I'm so glad we don't have seven more ages to go. I'm so glad we ain't got 2,000 more years to travel this journey. I'm so glad we have reached the end. I'm so glad we can see the manifestation of God in this hour, bringing in a word to promise. Hallelujah, that our message is based on thus saith the Lord. Amen, from the angel of God himself. Yes, we knew him was God. How else could he be our Savior? But to know he was only God, our God alone, that he is both, he is Alpha and Omega, that he's both Jesus, both Lord and Christ, making him Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, all one person. And that has been lost since the first ages. And by first church ages, but now we are seeing it again. The revelation of who he was has come back. Amen. 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 You want to take the power out of the church? Let a theologian mess it up. Amen. They'll take it there until there ain't even an amen anymore. There ain't even a hallelujah anymore. There ain't even a moving of the spirit anymore. It's as dead as, as a Roman Catholic church. You might as well have a priest coming down with a lantern sprinkling incense everywhere. Amen. It's the same old heathenism that there ever was. But God is establishing a church of thus saith the Lord. But by divine vindication, showing it over and over and over and over. And this angel never leaves us. This angel encamps about us. This angel won't leave you in your sins. He's going to save you from your sins. This angel won't leave you alone. Come on. Amen. You might be weighed down deep in sin. Amen. You might be like this brother that's going to be baptized. You've never known Jesus. But I tell you, it doesn't matter whether you ever knew him or not. He knew you before the foundation of the world. And he called you. And he kept dealing with your heart. And dealing with your heart. And dealing with your heart. Amen. created you for fellowship. And I'm taking a people for my namesake. And it's like a bride and a groom. Because physically we're not women. But the church is, he's the head of it and she's the body. So it's like a bride and a groom. So she's the bride and she's being married to the groom. She's becoming one. She's taking on his name. She's been identified with him. She has been changed. There's a change transforms. I always marveled, you know, when a bride and groom to come together, they actually both change. That's right. You'll see them both change. They'll just, you know, this boy may be this way and this girl that way, and, and maybe they come from two different houses and they have different thoughts and whatever, and they come to get married. And then well, oh, you'll see them just become one. They're not, the, they're not two anymore. They're one. And they think alike, and they believe alike, and they're working together. That's what oneness is. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. But in this deal, amen, God is bringing us back to our original, the way we were in his mind before the world began. And so we come and unite with him, and it isn't that he changes, it's that we change as we behold his image. 
And we are transformed from glory to glory. As we look into the Word, we are transformed in that same image of the Word. Until us and the Word becomes the same. What you read on the paper becomes flesh. That's exactly what God's doing in this day. He is taking the word that was on paper and making it flesh where a people will be called for his namesake. Amen. The revelation of Godhead is back. Now the true church can build in strength again. After all this time, she finally knows who her Lord is. Unless some theologian messes with her. And all, after all this time... She knows who our Lord is. Once again, we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, just as they did at Pentecost. Now, I'm trying to get you to see who this is that has revealed the word in this day. This message is a revelation of himself. The pillar of fire that was discerning the hearts and revealing the mysteries is none other than the creator himself. That's why in the prayer line, a young boy walks up to Brother Branham, and he's blind, and he has no eyes. And he asks him, what color would you like your eyes to be? A blind boy has never seen no color. He's only heard of blues and pinks and reds and whatever. And he says, blue. Yeah. And they pray. And formed in his sockets comes the prettiest set of blue eyes that you would ever see. These things are not fiction. They happened. And that God is still just as real of God today. Who can take a little woman and one moment black with cancer, the next moment clean. He's the same God that can take a soul that is black with sin and in one moment turn it and cleanse it and make it white as snow. This is the creator. The musicians come. What is it we're following? Who is it we're following? Who was it that revealed itself? The man I knew is William Branham. When I sat, how old are you? Thirteen. I was two years younger than you. And I sat maybe that far away, maybe about like William was. Right over on the wig, right on the wig. My family sat right over there. And this man talked about an angel. I never saw the angel. I didn't see the fire. 
but I saw the effects. I saw hearts discerned. I saw things that man couldn't know unless some being was talking to him. And that being go back 40 years in a life and tell him, I saw you. You was a little girl. This is how you was dressed. A pencil flew up. No, it was a pen. It hit you in the eye. It blinded your eye. That was me. Oh, I see you now. About 16. You're running. You're dressed in a checkered dress. You got braids. It's a yellow dog that's chasing you. Oh, now I see you, an older woman. You're coming up the steps. There's a red barn. You're coming from that barn. You're walking down. And now you're coming. And as you come up the steps, you're leaning over sideways. And you said, if I can ever get to Brother Branham, I'll be healed. Who told him all of that? I was going to baptize Brother James here, James Lingo, strong. Somebody asked me what his name was. I said, Lingo. Find out his name. What's his last name? If I would have guessed, ain't no telling what I would have guessed. I couldn't have made a, if I'd have stood here, the rest of my life, I probably would never get it. I mean, James is a Bible name, so that'd be pretty easy to get. After maybe 100 or so guesses, maybe less, I might have got James. Miss Strom? I'd have never got that. I'd be here the rest of my life. But God knows. He said about you before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you. There's a book, symbolic. Perhaps it's a symbolic book, but it's a book. And there, and there were names that were written in there before the foundation of the world. God knew you were coming. He knows everyone that's his. He knows exactly where to find you and how to find you. 
He'll find some down in the gutters of sin. He'll find some in halls of education. I mean, just recently, there was a, you know, a, a, I was supposed to go to Japan, minister, and you know what happened? COVID struck, and I couldn't go. Things happened, blocked the plans. The very time I was to go to Japan, I, I flew out to Brother Ron because he was come down with the first symptoms, was fixing to go for his first treatments of cancer. This was February. And about the first day of January, he finds out I've got cancer. You got cancer. It's melanoma. It's in your lungs. I'm supposed to go to Japan. I'm here unannounced. He don't even know I'm coming. No meetings are planned. I go in there and I preach Saturday night and Sunday morning. Well, the moment I'm supposed to be in Japan, there's a little lady there that's been witnessing. She has actually graduated in her class with honorary degrees. This lady been through a lot of sorrows and troubles of her own, cancer and so on, but she knows God is God. She went to her Japanese professor and she said to him, there is a God. I've heard you teach in the classes that there is a God, that, that it, there isn't no God, but there is a God. And said, if you don't believe it, you tune in to the service. We're going to have, she didn't know I was preaching. You turn into the service there at Full Gospel Lighthouse Tabernacle. And that man who preaches will discern your heart and repeat our conversation. Well, Brother Tim, I've been wondering there was a God. I sat at the table with my wife yesterday. We had on a plate, I had cooked cabbage, a salad, dressing, tomatoes in that, lettuce. I had fish blackened fish that I'd prepared on the stove. I had all that laying before me, sweet potatoes. I picked it up. I said, look at this leaf. We're just talking, we're just fellowshipping. I pick up a leaf of a cabbage. I said, where did it come from? I said, now look over here, look how different this is. And I pick up her potato peel, because I eat all of mine. And I said, where did this come from? It's altogether different from this cabbage. I said, look right there. Look over here. You got beans on your plate, too. I said, where'd they come from? They're altogether different. I said, did they just happen there? Did they just accidentally get on this plate? 
that they, we just, you know, they just, something grew in the world and they just appeared out of nothing. Doesn't look at you. How different you are from this cabbage. Where did you come from? You're so different from this cabbage and this, these beans. I said, see, it shows there's a designer. There's a creator. I said, now they want us to believe it's just two acids rubbing together. But I said, look here. I have on my arm an Apple Watch. How did that get there? I said, how many millions of years would it take for two acids rubbing together to become this watch in my arm? It's made out of some kind of plastic material here and some glass there and some parts in there that I don't know what is and everything, some metal there on the wine stem and this and that. Well, how, how many years would it take for it just to come and now I can pick it up as an, a watch. One billion years later, it all came together. And now here it is, this, all on a watch on my arm. Now I said, there was a master designer. There was a designer that said, I want a watch, and I want it like this and this, and he designs, and he figures, and he comes, and he gets the components. He puts it all together. It was a plan. But I said, where did he get all of that from? He got that from the designer who made it all. This is not an accident, and you're not an accident. And we're not just here by chance. We're here by supreme design. And God has called you for a purpose. You're not without a purpose. You're here for a reason. The sooner you find that purpose, the happier you're going to be. Because the devil wants to pervert you to his own purpose. But God wants to transform you back into the image that he had of you before the world began. bow our heads. Let's just talk to him just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you just realize I really need a really a closer walk with that God. I really do. I want to come to know him more than what I've known him. I need a deeper revelation of him. And I just pray he'll make himself known to me. He showed me that he cared. He showed me he cares and he loves me so much that he came to earth to die in my place. My Lord, will you just show me how to serve you? Will you just show me your purpose? Will you just show me, Lord, will you just put the pieces in my life together where that I can work out the plan of God? I can step right there because that's where I'll be the happiest. Would you just raise your hand to God and say, that's me, Brother Tim. God sees you, sees you, God sees you, God sees you, God sees you. Lord, will you bless us, Lord, and you'll bless the word, Father. Lord, will you just come in a, in a mighty way, Lord, in this service today. 
Just move, Lord, in hearts and lives. Change us, Lord, into thy image. In the name of Jesus, let each one find their purpose in you. We pray. Amen. And amen. 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 Will you plug it? Sing it. It's my provider. situation 
He's more than enough. He's not just enough. He's more than enough. Amen. Do you believe that for yourself today? He's more than enough. Many years ago, I took my daughter Lydia to a, an orthodontist. She had really crooked teeth. They were really all out of shape and had a horrible mouth. The orthodontist looked at him and said, this girl's got beautiful teeth. I said, she does? He said, yes. He said, they're just turned wrong. And he said, I'm going to turn them right, and they'll show their beauty. Brother James, that's the way it's been with you. In God's sight, you were always beautiful. He looked at you, and he saw something in you nobody else could see. Maybe everybody could. Nobody could see it in you. Maybe everybody gave up on you. Maybe mama couldn't see it in you. Daddy couldn't. Nobody could. But God can. said, all I'm going to do, I'm going to turn you. I'm going to turn your heart. I'm going to turn your heart toward me. And it's going to show something beautiful out of your life. So different from the ugly life you've had to serve the living God. This is our God, the creator. He's the one that can fix it. He's the one that can fix it. You got sickness in your body? He's just going to turn it right. He's going to heal it. Believe him. Believe him this morning. We're going to go to prayer.
something that happened about 2,000 years ago when John was baptizing in the River Jordan. And Jesus came to him to be baptized in the water. That's where every son of God must come. He must come to the Word. Uh, the Word must come to the prophet as it was. And we being a part of God before the world began, we are part of the great plan of God. Therefore, the bride is the word of God. It always comes to the prophet in the water. And here this brother comes as Jesus did many years ago. And John had been preaching and saying, you know, there's, I baptize with water, but there's one that's coming after me that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And of course, that's wherever baptizer stands he cannot give the Holy Ghost, but there's one that comes after him. After we obey the word, after we do what God's word said, then the Holy Spirit will come back and confirm it. When a person truly repents and is baptized in his name, God is obligated to give them the baptism of the Holy Ghost. May the dove came to come today upon Upon this brother who I come to baptize in his name, the Lord Jesus, having sent me in the world to preach the gospel, he commissioned us to baptize those that believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we've done what your word said. Now you do what you said you would do. I pray you'll lead and guide him into all truth and do that work of grace in his life, Lord, that has started in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, my brothers. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Long years ago, 